Welcome back, Kevin Brainiacs, talking about William Collins today. Old Willie Cole Cole. Collins has an interesting backstory, says Swim. Second, in influence only to Thomas Gray, he was an important poet of the middle decades of the 18th century. His lyrical odes mark a progression from the poetry of Alexander Pope's generation and towards the imaginative ideal of the Romantic era. Following the failure of his collection of odes in 1747, Collins' discouragement, aggravated by drunkenness, so unsettled his mind that he eventually sank into insanity and by 1754 was confined to MacDonald's madhouse. From there he moved to the care of an elder sister in Chichester, where he stayed with periods of lucidity until his death. Makes you wonder what would be the modern diagnosis of that. You know, they just called it madness. Um, Unsettled insanity off to the madhouse, but it was probably something like um, a psychotic, a series of psychotic episodes, maybe by the sounds of things, um, because of these periods of lucidity, um, you know, and maybe other things, maybe bipolar or something. Who knows? Might have been schizophrenic. Um, it's just interesting, though, isn't it? I would say the stress of failure would probably induce something like a manic episode or a schizophrenic episode or a psychotic episode uh, and that's probably what this poor man suffered through. Ode to Simplicity. The central idea of the poem Ode to Simplicity is that we should all lead a simple and humble life without any any artificiality. Ode to Evening. Colin compares the evening to a divine being and seeks divine inspiration from her He hopes to please her with his poetry. At some point he feels there is a dearth of appropriate expressions in his poetry. For this reason he tries to imitate the natural mood that can be felt at the end of the day, just before the night. Interesting. I found these poems to be too... a little bit contrived. You know, like sometimes the wording can be too complicated and I don't know it's a bit uh, I don't know conceited I don't know what's the word pretentious maybe like the author is trying to get compliments for how clever they are with language and the writing feels that way to me Um, this writing felt a little bit like that like too obscure in the wordiness but also that that can be fine if also you get a really good sense of the meaning of the sentences shining through and it puts you there and it's effective. But I found that it was very uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know it was it didn't say much despite all these fancy words. nothing really. I didn't really feel any of it. I didn't really feel what he was trying to communicate. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. might just be that I didn't understand what he was trying to say, but it didn't really hit the mark for me, personally. Um, You know, but I think 
good simple wording that puts you in a place is more effective. And if you're going to be verbose like that, then it's also still got to be effective. Can't just be wordy for the sake of wordiness. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I'm being wordy for the sake of wordiness. Today's poet is Mark Ackenside. 1721, died 1770, young man, 49 years old, if my maths is correct. The poem's called Amoret, the first one, I should say. If rightly tuneful bards decide, if it be fixed in love's decrees, that beauty ought not to be tried, but by its native power to please, then tell me, youths and lovers, tell what fair can Amoret excel? Behold, that bright unsullied smile, and wisdom speaking in her mane, yet she so artless all the while, so little studious to be seen. We naught but instant gladness know, nor think to whom the gift we owe. But neither music nor the powers of youth and mirth and frolic cheer add half the sunshine to the hours, or make life's prospect half so clear as memory brings it to the eye from scenes where Amoret was by. This, sure, is beauty's happiest part. This gives the most unbounded sway. This shall enchant the subject heart when rose and lily fade away, and she be still, in spite of time, sweet Amoret in all her prime. The second poem is called The Complaint. Away, away, tempt me no more, insidious love, thy soothing sway, long did my youthful bosom prove, at length thy treason is discerned, at length some dear bought caution earned, away, nor hope my riper age to move, I know, I see, her merit needs it now be shown, alas to me, how often to myself unknown, the graceful, gentle, virtuous maid have I admired. How often said, what joy to call a heart like hers own, hers, one's own. What joy to call a heart like hers, one's own. But flattering God, O squanderer of content and ease, in thy abode, will care's rude lesson learn to please. O, say, deceiver, hast thou one proud fortune to attend thy throne, or placed thy friends above her stern decrees? This one's called the Nightingale. Tonight retired the Queen of Heaven with young Endymion stays, and now to Hesper it is given a while to rule the vacant sky, till she shall to her lamp supply a stream of brighter rays. Propitious, send thy golden ray, thou purest light above. Let no false flame seduce to stray, where gulf or steep lie hid for harm. But lead where music's healing charm may soothe afflicted love. To them by many a grateful song in happier seasons vowed, these lawns Olympia's haunts belong oft by yon silver stream we walked, or fixed while Philomena talked. Beneath yon copses stood. Nor seldom where the beechen boughs that roofless tower invade, we came while her enchanting muse the radiant moon above us held, Till, by a clamorous owl compelled, she fled the solemn shade. But hark, I hear her liquid tone. Now, Hesper, guide my feet down the red mile with moss overgrown through yon wilder thicket next the plain, whose hawthorns choke the winding lane which leads to her retreat. See, 
the green space on either hand enlarged it spreads around see in the midst she takes her stand where one old oak his awful shade extends over half the level mead enclosed in woods profound hark how through many a melting note she now prolongs her lays how sweetly down the void they float the breeze their magic path attends the stars shine out the forest bends the wakeful heath is graze Whoever thou art whom chance may bring to this sequestered spot, if then the plaintive siren sing, I softly tread beneath her bower, and think of heaven's disposing power of man's uncertain lot. O think over all this mortal stage, what mournful scenes arise, what ruin waits on kingly rage, how oft virtue dwells with woe, how many griefs from knowledge flow, how swiftly pleasures flies. O sacred bird, let me at eve, thus wandering all alone, thy tender counsel oft receive, bear witness to thy pensive airs, and pity nature's common cares till I forget my own. And that's our poems for today. I thank you for listening, and I will see you tomorrow.